Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Babe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and I am joined here once again by the rest of the K-Babe crew. Introducing first, in the far corner, he stands a mean five foot no inches. He weighs a mean 96.78 pounds. Soaking wet. He is the king of the K-Babe kickflip, Mr. Wex breaking the Lawson. Wex, how you living, bud? Living pretty good. It was a nice little vacation, nice little break from uh, our traditional wrestling. But, uh, you know, my head's shining pretty good on this video, and uh, I'm ready to talk some uh, good old current stuff versus some spring stampede, baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. In the corner to my right, he stands in at a very nice five foot eight. A slim and slender 162 pounds. He is the patron saint of the rock block, Mr. Jesse Baker. Jesse, how you living, bud? Man, I'm loving life, doing a whole bunch of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to announce, a lot of stuff to talk about. Very stoked for the comparison show this week and very stoked for the next Baker's Dozen featuring Captain John Burr. And I love it. It'll be good. I'm super excited. I, uh, you know, normally we talk about the feedback that we got from last week's episode, but we all got some much needed time off and I have a confession to make. Um, Mr. Know-it-all, the, uh, the, 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 the quote unquote main guy, as uh, Wex likes to call me sometimes. Um, I watched zero hours, zero minutes of professional wrestling this entire week. I watched none. So, uh, I think that's the first time it's happened in years now that I've, since we've been doing this podcast. So I am, uh, I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling recharged. I'm feeling hype about everything we got coming up though. And today the meat and potatoes of today's show is going to be impacts rebellion from this past weekend going up against WCW's spring stampede 1997. I'm a major mark for the year 1997 for both companies for actually all three companies. Um, I'm hype about it. Uh, guys, how are you looking forward to it? How, what did you do last week? Uh, Jesse, where, where, where were you at? What did you do last week? You know, I, uh, like everybody else, I had some family stuff going on and I basically, I worked a lot and went to a funeral and some things Bummer. and you know, so on so forth. But I watched kind of a lot of wrestling. I went back and watched the old dusty Rhodes documentary on the network Nice. And I also watched all the shows that we're covering today. I watched more than that, in fact. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. It's um, there's been a lot going on this week, and it is what it is. But we also got a whole lot of stuff done. We got some other shows booked. News to break. Yeah, I'm excited about it for sure. Wex, how was your, how was your week off, man? What, what was your vacation? What'd you do? Your mancation, if you will. Your staycation. <laughs> It was pretty good. I did, in fact, watch wrestling. Of course, I watched Dynamite. I watched Rampage. Right, right, right. Checked out the highlights of Monday Night Raw because I never actually sit through three hours of that bullshit most of the time. Uh, you know, watch some sports. Memphis Grizzlies, you know, and up 3-2 in the playoffs trying to get that fourth win. John Moran is a fucking god with them dunks, baby. It's getting crazy out here. But uh, just been watching, you know, sports, Preds, Grizzlies, you know, missing the Titans. Ready for some more wrestling, though. 
Yeah, I'm a super like football Draft nerd. tonight, by the way, too. Yeah, so we're gonna I, see yep. who the Titans will pick. That's I think they're trading out of the first round personally. I don't think that they are the value there. I think they'll get more picks for it, and that's uh the immediate needs they can get in the later rounds. I honestly think this is probably the weakest draft class in the past ten years, easy. Uh like period, like all the way around for pretty much most positions. Yep, not um, a lot of hype. Not a lot of hype, not a lot of very good players, to be honest with you. But that's my opinion. I've been watching a lot of USFL. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of, it's like 50, 50 people either love it or they hate it. Um, I can understand like complaints, like the quality of play can get a little boring from time to time, but it's kind of exciting. And um, I just, I just like that there's football on. So I'm excited about it. Uh, But before we get to the meat and potatoes of the show, we get to my favorite segment of the week and it's what sleep spills the tea. I hope it is Earl Grey with a little bit of honey. Please fill me up. What we got? I'll fill you up real nice. And since you've been out of the loop for a couple weeks, uh, I'll go and start off with some WWE news. We'll start off with some uh, kind of funny news, I guess. So Tommaso Ciampa is another victim. He lost his first name. He's just Ciampa now? He's just Ciampa. Just as I, Austin Theory is now just Theory. No, is he really? Just, yeah, just yeah. Theory. Like – it's getting pretty ridiculous, but uh, rest in peace, Tommaso. You know, you've had that name for a long time, all the way back to Ring of Honor when I saw you live for the first time at the fairgrounds. But damn, rest in peace. And kind of an opposite thing, someone who's been away for a while is back. Mustafa Ali has returned to TV this week. Oh, bummer. Bummer? <laughs> I mean, not necessarily a bummer like for us, but like – I know that dude's been trying to get out of the company for forever. So I guess they were just, it was probably like a lawsuit thing. Like, yo, you're going to have to come and be on TV or else we're going to have to just, I don't know. He seemed glad to see him back, though. Glad to see him getting some work, you know, not just sitting at home. Sure. He seems like he would flourish elsewhere. He seems like candidate number one to be able to go to New Japan or, yeah, really, and and just knock it out, you know. Impact could totally use him, but yeah. 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 Lots of different things that he could do for sure. Uh, and you also missed, Daniel, this week Randy Orton celebrated 20 years in the business. Good for him. That's awesome. Business. You know, I, they have, I mean, they have to be them. honest with you, man, like Randy Orton just never really moved my needle. Wah, 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 wah. But uh, I mean, to yeah, be honest, for me it's just – Yeah. I get it. I respect him. He's a good wrestler. I got, I, yeah. I respect him for what he did, but I'm never like, holy fuck, there's a Randy Orton match. Let's get ready. Yeah, I'm just exactly, like, hey. exactly. Like he's a, he's a legend. Um, he's earned, he's earned it. He's been in some amazing matches that I've loved, but it's not like, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. He, uh, he, like the, uh, the way I feel about the undertaker too. So it's like, you know, like legends, like for sure, like good and, and like lasted for forever. But a lot of people, other people liked him significantly more than I did, I guess. And that's just kind of how I feel about Randy Orton as well. I feel like later in the game, we probably will all be a little bit more appreciative of some of the moments that Randy Orton had, uh, yeah. particularly, you know, the RKO, RKO out of nowhere thing, viral, viral, viral all over the place. That's mm-hmm. something that stands to be appreciated. Yeah, I agree for sure. Well, something that I appreciate and a person that I appreciate is Jim Ross, and he is getting together with The Rock to work on a non-WWE funded wrestling project talking about the old territory days and it's going to have a Ted DiBiase and Jake, the snake are going to be involved. So I'm looking forward to that. That seems to be pretty cool. Cause um, anytime you get anything like that, it's all WWE produced and everything. And this is going to be a rock seven bucks production thing. Like his company's making mm. it. So I'm pretty interested. It looks like it could be pretty cool. Yeah. That's all. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm always, I'm always down for documentary stuff. I'm just a sucker for it anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hyped to see it for sure. 
Yeah. Um, one kind of funny thing, uh, and Jesse, do you have anything to add on that? I mean, I, other than the fact that I love everything the rock has touched pretty much, I think that with the recent developments on XFL and things that yeah. there's a whole lot of meat on the bone there. I think it'd yep. be really good. And young rock is awesome. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It's good. It's a, it, it appeals to everybody. Uh, something, uh, a little funny here. Uh, John Cena is getting called out by this underground rapper named Copyright that says pretty much all of John Cena's memorable lines he used throughout the years during his Doctor of Thugonomics run were stolen. And Chris Hero actually said in a podcast in 2014 that Cena told him like his top four favorite rappers, and one of them was Copyright. And Cena has yet to respond. And like I, I, hmm. I don't find this too hard to believe, to be honest. Nope. Sounds right. So Peacemaker got called out. Peacemaker got called the fuck out. And like, yeah. I'm just now beginning to like John Cena because of that Peacemaker run. That was fucking sick. It it's was, funny. I'm, oh, I'm come on, talking about his acting. To, I don't know, man. That, that US Open challenge was in like 2015 or something. No, that, was good. Been, that was good wrestling. Yeah. Like, I'm starting to respect him fully, like his wrestling, yeah. but you know, his, his personality shine. Honestly, a bit I don't care if he stole the lines. It's pro wrestling. Like that's like, it's like, okay, well like a pro wrestler stole lines from a Ric Flair's whole gimmick that is, is literally stolen, happened so. throughout pro wrestling forever. So it's like, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't make me I mean, ma- dude, if this guy ends up getting a payday out of it, good for him. If he really did come up with them and they're his, then he should get some IP out of it and should make some money. That'd be awesome for him. But it doesn't like make me devalue Cena anymore. You know? Yeah. All of Hogan's yeah. lines were stolen too. I mean, it's Billy Graham. Yeah, literally. And yeah. then dude, the nature boy, Ric Flair, yeah. The nature boy, Buddy Rogers. And then there's also the nature boy, Buddy Lindell, if you guys know about him. Oh, yeah, of course. But uh, speaking Lindell. of the nature boy, uh, some pretty uh, interesting shit I heard on a podcast the other day that I've never heard about Ric Flair. So there was this, the lady who was the inventor of modern adoption, as we know it, named Georgia Tan. She used to kidnap babies back in the day and kidnapped over 5,000 babies and sold them under the guise of adoption. And Ric Flair was one of those children. That's why he's born what? in Memphis, Tennessee, because it was that's where it happened. Like during that time, Memphis, Tennessee had a spike in infant mortalities and disappearances and stuff does like he know that. This? This lady, G- Google her, Georgia Tank. No, I mean, does he know this? I mean, he, he he knows, knows, you know, I think he knows this. I mean, it's, they're talking about it on a podcast. It's like a pretty big thing. Uh, I, I had no clue about this, though, but he was one of the 5000 kidnapped children that were sold. That sounds like poppycock, but uh, no, it's it's a hundred percent true. I mean, there's like records of him, like it's real. Georgia Tan, T A N N. Google her; she's a monster. I, I heard about it on a non wrestling <laughs> podcast, Behind the Bastards. It just talks about fucked up people in the history of not America, just the world. And yeah, Ric Flair was kidnapped and sold as a child, the Nature Boy. Wow. But maybe I don't know. Maybe he would have never been the Nature Boy if he didn't make it to North Carolina or Minnesota. Or Memphis? Well, that's where he was born in Memphis, North Carolina, Minnesota. I don't know, but God damn it, it's fucking weird. <laughs> fucking weird. It's, it's a little weird. Say. It's it's pretty weird. Ric Flair's been billed from 10 different places, but yeah, I, I just thought that was really insane. So, uh, only other uh, big thing in the news besides uh, that stuff I was talking about, the Iconics slash the Inspiration have stepped away from in-ring action indefinitely. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they built a brand for themselves, too. They're like social media presence. They got their podcast. It's like they're 
and I, okay, like they're I, I I'm a big fan of them. I've have always sung their praises as a tag team. I thought they were the first ones to really do it well on a WWE or like a mainstream level as a women's tag team. And so my hats off to them for that. I don't want this to sound like I'm devaluing them, but it seems like you're making all this money and you're they're pretty. You know what I mean? Like they're not um they're not just like rough and tough, like gritty wrestlers. Like they're, they're beautiful women. And they, it's like, why take the bumps? If you don't have to, if you're already making main event money and you don't need to take the bumps, then why? Like you've already got this brand by all means, like enjoy, enjoy your retirement. Yeah. And what I can take away from that, they're not saying that they're retiring from wrestling. They're stepping away from in ring action. So maybe they'll just do some managing. Maybe, uh, what's her name? will come over and manager her husband, Sean Spears on AEW or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. A female member of the Pinnacle that just, you know, kind of talks some shit. We might, that might be pretty cool. Not, I don't mind it. There's probably also some liability stuff there, you know, like mm-hmm. in order to get out of a contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of Impact Pro Wrestling, uh, guess who was teased as Wardlow's next opponent next week on Dynamite? Big uh, Dub. Big Dub. Is that, is, does that help you? Big Gas. Big Ass. Yeah. Big Ass himself, Dub Morrissey. Nice. The really tall man who quit drinking and started doing steroids, and he's ripped. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe it'll be a good match. Hopefully Enzo can come in there and be a little mouthpiece. That'd be pretty cool. I do think that would be cool, man. I see people online, and they're just, like, poo-pooing all over Enzo, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, like, he's not a good wrestler, but Cass can't talk, so it's kind of a win-win. Put him back with there, and he would – dude, the amount of heat, the amount of nuclear heat – that Enzo would have on the mic in AEW would be incredible. I mean, oh, the yeah. booze that that man would get, and also the wit that he naturally just has, he would nail it. It would be awesome. Like, there's no way that no one can convince me that Enzo in AEW, even even if at least for a temporary like storyline, is a bad idea. No one can convince me of that. It's exactly, definitely not dude. a bad idea. And their biggest last flash was an ROH show, which obviously yeah. now there's the tie-in, and it's yeah. You know, I, they're a money-making tag team, 110%. Uh, Bring them into Ring of Honor. Back. Put them on top. You can go back and look at that match with them and the Dudleys when the Dudleys came back. That was intense. That was very uh, – everyone appreciated it, I feel like. Dude, yeah. and honestly, the reason that people hate Enzo, it's not his fault. He didn't book himself to be packed for the Cruiserweight title. Like, yeah. that wasn't his fault. He was just doing what he was booked to do. And imagine yeah. the nuclear heat if he came in and just had a match with Pac. Like, and Pac just fucked him up. That'd be, that'd be great. I think Pac, the nu- he- I, I think the nuclear heat is come in, have a match with Pac, and go over. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, the yeah, still get the shit heat. beat out of him, but then like cheat and bring out Big Cass and go over and like, yeah. oh, people would, oh my. God. Oh, it would. Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm tingling thinking about it. That sounds amazing to me. That sounds amazing to me. Well, hopefully AEW can uh, do something like that and keep it going because uh, unfortunately. Hangman Adam Page had COVID this week and had to miss Dynamite, but it didn't really affect anything too much. CM Punk still just pretty much cut a promo about their upcoming match at Double or Nothing, and yeah. the rest of the show was pretty good. Uh, scary botch from Sammy Guevara in the main event that uh, – I don't know if anybody's seen that online, but that was uh, – I don't know why the fuck he did that or what he was even trying, to be honest, but it was scary. And I'm glad that he isn't paralyzed and he's going to be able to wrestle again because it was pretty fucking gnarly. It's something else, man. And to be honest, the whole situation with Sammy and Ty Conti and that whole thing leaves something to be desired at the moment. It's not what they should be doing, I don't believe. But that's just uh, me. 
I think I think, I think the heel heat works there, but like I understand. But they're being booked as baby faces. That's the problem. Yep, that's the problem. Is that they're like they w- they are uh, they would be an incredible heel team. Like they, I hate to say this, but they would be a much more athletic Miz and Maurice. Like much yep. more athletic, but they that would they would totally fill that role, and it would be great. I mean, honestly, it'd be great to like. Even put them. In, I mean, I don't mind the faction getting bigger. I wouldn't mind like them and him and Jericho reconciling, and Ty Conti comes into, and they just have a big ass little faction there that's all just sports entertainers. Because I feel like he could totally use that heat. He he's totally that guy. I feel like so is Tay Conti. I think that I don't know. I think that that I I like the pairing, but I do agree, Jesse, that they're being booked the wrong way. Like they it's, are. It's, I mean, I, like they both left marriages to be with each other. I mean, that's natural heel heat. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not. It's one of those things that everyone saw happen. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I it, it to me it seems they're natural heels, and to book them as baby faces sucks. We said the same fucking thing about Cody though. Yeah, but I think they're really leaning into that more heel thing. They're getting the booze, and they and pretty much they effectively turned American Top Team babyface just them being there. Yeah, and which Scorpio is, Sky got a, a big fucking pop for winning that yeah. title, and I think it was a good effective double turn if they stick with them being heels and keep it going that way. I hope so. I mean, uh, you know, they talked about fucking on top of the TNT title that Dan Lambert had in his hand. The problem is that Dan Lambert's never going to be a babyface. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. He's people are cheering the fuck out of him now just because of that. So I, I can see honestly, baby face. the dude is super sharp on a mic. Maybe yeah, he, he can, could. He knows how to work it, dude. I think yeah, he can fucking he switch from both sides. He's he's not a one dimensional dude. He's very talented on the mic for sure. I mean, he's underrated. I feel like people don't really talk about how good Dan Lambert is. I mean, granted, it's because I mean, let's be honest and we're calling a spade a spade here. It's a mid card angle. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is not the main event. That, that's, but it's a that's, good mid card. Your mid card yeah. has to be meaty and good. I agree. I completely agree. I'm not saying that there's no value there. I think there's plenty of value there. I think it's a good launching point. I think it's where the workhorses are. It's it's what the IC title used to be, and that's great. But it's still not the main event level. I think that people, because Dan Lambert has been just in that middle area, people are not giving him his just due for how well he's carried some of these angles. I, I, I can get that. I just I, I do feel like when you look at American Top Team – Really, all you've got is Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. At the end, of I the day, agree. I mean, Scorpio to me, I I don't know why it doesn't click, but it, to me, it doesn't click. Like he's a fantastic athlete. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think it clicks. I do think it's a mid card angle that uh, Sammy and Ty could possibly go back and do WWE again. Well, yeah. Ty, anyway, but we'll I see. agree. Who knows? Well, speaking of the meat card being nice and meaty, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show here. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show. I am super excited about it. It is Impact's Rebellion from this past weekend going up against WCW's Spring Stampede 1997. Let's go. All right. So uh, the first show that we're going to talk about this week is Impact Rebellion 2022. And the opening match, Jesse, as you know, was Macklin, Steve Macklin versus Chris Sabin and Jay White. And I thought it was a pretty good opening match. It kind of gets you sucked in. Unfortunately, the rest of the card wasn't as good as this, but I'm really liking the way Macklin is kind of fitting into this whole X Division thing, even though his style is kind of like contrast with everything. I think it fits in good, and even though I thought Jay White should have won this match, you know, I see them putting over their guy rather than 
a veteran and a New Japan guy. What did you think about this? I ended up giving it three and a half. I gave it three. They wound up, you know, I mean, look, Macklin, you got to look at how Macklin's being used versus how Buddy Murphy's being used, which is kind of insane to look at. Buddy Murphy still hasn't wrestled a fucking match um, on AEW television at all. So it's still weird. I thought Macklin looked great. The um, I, I agree that I feel like Jay White should have taken it, but you know they're doing what they do. They're they're trying to get their brand built up a little bit. I do think it was the match of the show, but it's still a little. It left a lot to be desired. I mean, it was definitely deceiving. It was a solid open. I had three and a half. You had three, but yeah, it did not stay as exciting. So uh, the next matchup is for the Triple A, if you just want to say it all Spanish-like, but the Triple A, Taya Conti, no, Taya Conti, no, Taya Valkyrie versus <laughs> Deanna Perrazzo. And, I mean, I'll say it, I'll say this. Deanna Perrazzo never really puts on a bad match, but I think this match was just kind of short, and I don't think the the meshing of the styles worked well here. And Taya, she's, she's great in her own right. I just... Just something about this match just, just didn't hit for me. I mean, we're talking about two talents who WWE found a way to waste. I don't understand how that happened uh, on either account, to be honest. But it was it was something else. I do feel like there was a lot of strong shit that happened. I, they, like they they definitely went hard. I yeah, I like, wound up getting sure. four beers. I mean, I like they worked their asses off, but it still. I, I I'm surprised that I rated it that high, but upon rewatching, it was a really good match. So what did you give it again? Four. Four. Okay. I only gave it three beers because just something, like I said, something just didn't hit for me. But I kind of see why uh, Deanna lost because it was just announced yesterday that next week on AEW Dynamite, she's going to be defending the ROH Women's World Championship against the interim champion Mercedes Martinez. And I know Mercedes is signed to AEW, but I just hope that Deanna wins and they announce her as like being like signed to Ring of Honor or something because fuck, like I really don't want to see her lose to Mercedes Martinez. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, next match on the card, actually another a pretty hype one, but uh, I wasn't as satisfied with the vic- the the finish of this match. But it was a uh, Ace Austin, who me and Jesse, you know, have called live in a match before. Uh, yeah. Trey Miguel, the lonely member of the Rascal, still left, and one of my favorites, the Canadian Speedball Mike Bailey. I mean, all I'm gonna say is Speedball should have won. That's my opinion, but this was honestly closer to like the first match, just but. Less Macklin and more all doing the crazy shit. It was a classic X Division bout. Insane. It was one of my closer, higher rated matches of the night. I went 3.75, but I don't know. There was something else on this match. I don't know if it was the time. It wasn't as long as it should have been, but I feel like this could have taken an extra step maybe. They definitely didn't get the time that they deserved. Uh, I will say I'm a big fan of Ace. I mean, obviously, I first saw him on Burt Prentice shows, and then we got to call some matches with him at Revive. This set a weird pace for me because it was very obvious they were changing titles on everything, which they proceeded to do. I mean, literally not one title match did they have that someone retained. And <laughs> it was that, well, That's I mean, true. I didn't think about that, but uh... – VD yeah. retained, but uh, but it, it's still like it was just so weird. It was convoluted. It was a shit show, in my personal opinion. 
Um, I felt like Ace and Trey would have been a better match. I love speedball, but I feel like the one-on-one would have been uh, absolutely, absolutely better. I did wind up giving it four. They all put a lot of work in, and it was one of my higher-rated matches on the night. Yeah, a three and a half. Like I just like I said, if they had a little bit longer time, I probably would have rated it probably up to four. But it just didn't didn't quite click right. So uh, next matchup on the card, uh, it is a literally the classic definition of big meaty men slapping meat. Like I don't know other any other way to describe this match. We got Tomaro Ishii versus Jonah Rock, aka Jonah, aka. Whatever the fuck he used to be in NXT. That's good. I've already forgotten his name. So Jonah, good name. Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed, yeah, something like that. Bron. See, that they had too many bronze in WWE. I can see why everyone's name got changed. But uh, what did you think about this match, Jesse? I only gave it two. I felt like it was very. I I don't feel like it delivered. I felt like there was not. Uh, something's going on with Jonah. I believe that the New Japan thing is about to happen. It did not seem to me like he was putting in the same amount of work as normal. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. There was something about it that did not land for me. Dude, crazy. I also have two beers, and I said the same thing. I was like, dude, his match versus Black Taurus that he had a couple pay-per-views ago like was like this, but with a lot more energy and a lot more like fire. And I could just tell he just didn't have that same prowess that he had in that match. And I also gave it two beers. Like, I know both of these could do a lot. Both of these dudes can do a whole lot better than what they did in this. Absolutely. And as we were talking about earlier in the match about how it didn't need to be a three-way, we get a fucking eight-man elimination tag, <laughs> technically a seven-man and one-woman elimination tag if you want to get uh, down to the details. Uh, your favorite female pro wrestler in this match, Jesse Jordan Grace, teaming up with Dub Morrissey. But this match was way too fucking long. We had a discussion earlier. This is just one of those matches, just an excuse to get everybody on the card. It's fucking convoluted. It didn't need to be like this. It could have just been just a two-on-two or just a three-way tie. Anything could have been better than this long-ass fucking match. I also gave this match two beers because, I mean, they tried. They put in the work, and I see what they were trying to do. And some of the eliminations were cool, and it made sense, but it was just way too fucking long. I only gave it one. And and to be honest, despite my absolute – unending love for Jordan Grace it, and for the Good Brothers. Uh, you know, seeing the Magic Killer 123, 110% always is going to get me. But, man, it was really, really unnecessarily convoluted. This is when the card started reminding me of WrestleMania 2000. And there was no – there was literally not, like, a good singles match on that card. And – I believe that this card kind of falls into the same situation. There is a good singles match, at least one, so can't say that. But, yeah, it's, I, I can see what you're going. Lots of random people on the card, random convoluted matches, but, yeah. I don't see where you're going with that WrestleMania 2000 reference, but the next match uh, on the card for the Women's Impact World Championship, it was Tasha Stills versus Rosemary and... This is one of those matches that, like recently, some Impact matches have been suffering from too much fucking shenanigans and bullshit in the end. Yep. If they just would have kept this to, like, a straight-up wrestling match, which it was going pretty good for a while, like, work rate was solid. uh, And, like, I get having the Hills do some interference, but keep it to a minimum. Like, they just did a little bit too much here, and that's why I only gave this match two beers also because, like, Savannah Evans just have her, you know, do her own thing, have matches instead of just being, like, the enforcer and interfering because it just – it's – it ain't working. 
I also went one beer on this match for the the exact same reasons that you said. I just rated it lower. It, it really like I know that it's a let me up. Man, I know that it's a popcorn match, but at the same time, like I I think Rosemary and Steels both are very talented and capable of much more. Again, I think the shenanigans could have been lost. I agree 100%. So uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and keep this thing moving because, I mean, ain't really much to say about this whole pay-per-view. But the main event, actually, I think this match is pretty fucking good. Moose versus Josh Alexander in a rematch uh, from where, you know, Josh Alexander won the title. Then the Moose got his call your shot gauntlet challenge and he basically took the title immediately after he won it but dude this was great a great contrast of styles here like moose has improved so much in the past like two to three years like just his athletic like big power moves contrasting with the matt style of uh josh alexander just really high work rate like the story here commentary like everything was great in this match it all came together good i wish the rest of the show could have maybe learned i mean i'd say learn from these two but this was the main event uh I think this was the best match on the car. It was cool to see him celebrate with his kid and his wife afterwards. It's like good story, good wrestling. It's good. And you have all those elements together. I gave it four beers for story and everything like together. Like I want, don't, don't want to say it, but sports entertainment, everything wrapped into one. This is the best match of the night, but work rate. It was the opening. So, I mean, they did put their two best, two best matches opening and close like, like that. But the inside, I don't know. Jesse, what'd you think about it? I went five. I, uh, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great world title match, and it's exemplary of impact to have a fantastic main event after a shit card. I do feel like that's kind of been their trend almost always, and it really, you know, there are a couple of standouts during the card, don't get me wrong, but Josh Alexander and Moose, in my humble opinion, are standout talents that are probably going to lead that company for the length of time that they can still continue to exist. Moose has improved. It's It's been kind of insane. Josh Alexander, I think is very undercut as being like the guy. I, it's something that a lot of companies could stand to learn from. I agree. And Josh Alexander with the strap again, where do you see him going next? What do you see him doing? Do you see the few continuing with moose or do you see him going in a different direction? I think kind of what we were talking about earlier when it comes to American top team and things like that, it might make sense for him to, you know, break through that quote unquote forbidden door and go feud with page. Hey, that'd be pretty fucking sick. Hey, even him versus Scorpio sky, maybe a double title match. I could see some good shit happening there. But all right, so uh, we've went through, uh, I guess, maybe the duller pay-per-view of the two, but now we're going to get into the real deal, probably one of the most classic pay-per-views of all time for various different reasons, WCW Spring Stampede 1997. Dude, Jesse, the open of this, the set, just the whole vibe, like the commentary, just it's perfect. What do you think about it? I have the exact same notes. The commentary is absolutely great. Bobby Heenan seems like he's a little pissed off. Uh, which I thought was kind of funny, but the, I mean, dude, the fireworks and the saloon and all that fun stuff. I mean, my God, like that's, it, it just such a classic example of what made 1997 wrestling absolutely incredible and captivating to watch. I remember watching this thing live. It, I, Tupelo, Mississippi didn't really know what to do with how WCW booked their cards, but I thought that it was stellar. 
Yeah, fantastic. And speaking of stellar, the first match on the card, the rubber match, because we've actually covered the past two matches they had on pay-per-view before this, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus the Ultimo Dragon, or the Ultimate Dragon, as they build him right here. But even though Tony Schiavone would call him both on commentary, it didn't make sense. But, dude, honestly, I think this is probably the best match of the series of the three. Man. So much. It's fucking fantastic. It was a great match. Like, Liger pretty much kept Rey Mysterio grounded and, like, just fucking him up with power moves the whole time until Rey got going and just, dude, the only gripe I have on this match is the mid-match NWO interview thing. But besides that, Goofy. it was fucking fantastic. Like, that literally is the only thing that took away, and I gave it four and a half beers. I love this match. I went three and a half. I felt like it was a little long, and I felt like Tupelo didn't really know what to do with a Japanese guy and a Mexican guy. Like I, I, I didn't think that any – the crowd really didn't seem to sit with it very much. There were a lot of clunky moves. There were a lot of things that were kind of messed up, and it's odd because I love Dragon, but like their styles were very, very clashing in my humble opinion. Um I, it, it just seemed like the crowd didn't give two shits. Now, there were three dark matches, so that's something to remember. But it, I, the finish kind of sucked. The whole, I, like, I don't know. I, there was something about it that didn't sit well with me. I did give it three and a half. Okay, um, it's only a beer off. It's not too much different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just it, – it's – there were a lot of fluid spots. There were just a lot of things that, to me, didn't really sit well. It's the first time that I've ever possibly really agreed with a guy like Cornette in the sense that there was too much going on. There was like that fucking Liger bomb into the tombstone. And I'm like, you kicked out. Like, hey, that was a <laughs> sick ass moonsault drop kick counter, though. You got to give him that. That was a little, little chef's kiss. That was nice. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, um, I can see how it would make people not buy it, you know. I feel you. I feel you. I can see that that Tupelo crowd uh, up next, which uh, I could the crowd. I could clearly tell they weren't as into this as much because it was women and a foreign wrestler. The biggest chant we got was USA, but it was Akira Hokuto versus Medusa, which it was a very stiff and brutal match. Like Akira just was fucking her up for like the entire first half of the match. Just big chokes, big slams, just lots of power moves. till we got the little sling blade coming up in the world. Uh, a wardrobe malfunction, kind of. Her titty didn't pop out, but her top came off. The, the crowd did pop for that and a little spin it around and throw it. But uh, the end, like Luna Vachon, I didn't even know she was really in WCW this time. It must have been a very brief run. Uh, and just like on Impact, too much shenanigans going on here, which they probably could have just left it at that. But even though I love Sony o- Sonny Ono just being fucking ridiculous with his like, heel heat and his shit, but... Yeah, too much shenanigans in this match. I only went two beers. I thought it could have been higher because I know both of them. I could just see the potential. I went three. Akira Hokuto is amazing, a great talent. So is Medusa. However, it's funny to go back and watch that shit, and we got to realize that it's 1997. You know, it's 25 years ago, and watching a dude like slap a woman in the face as she's hanging out outside of the ring. Is yeah, it was pretty outrageous, kind of, kind of intense. And I love Sonny. Uh, I think that he is an underrated figure 
there. He took a fucking selfie on the way to the ring in night. 19- yes, he did. I've noticed that, and I was like, like <laughs> dude, he's fucking a pioneer out here, except for the women beating. But uh, it's absolutely incredible. The Luna thing, man, that was not good. And I believe her run was literally maybe just this show. And to be fair, she honestly probably would have been better off in WCW. Maybe a little, but nobody had a women's division at that time. Yeah. To be honest. So it, it's, they were, you know, they were trying to do something. I don't know. I gave it three beers only because the crowd was very strange about it, except there was a very large pop when Medusa's outer top popped off. <laughs> and like, which it's not even like a real tie, but it's funny because, right. you know, you know how men are. But yeah, I mean, two and a half, you gave it three. We're pretty close. I mean, yeah. pretty solid. We're there. All right. So the next matchup on the card is, you know, clearly just one of Jesse's favorite wrestlers. One of my he's in my top 10. William Regal, Lord Stephen Regal at this point, taking on one of the most random wrestlers of all time. I think Prince Iukea. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, most Prince Iukea matches I've not been a big fan of, but this one was pretty good. And honestly, it's just a good testament to William Regal. I think if you'd have been wrestling anybody else, it wouldn't have been as good. Regal and carried the like, entire thing. I gave it two and a half, even though I love, uh, I love Regal. I'm, I think that he is massively underappreciated in terms of the industry, but it he carried the fucking match, man. I mean, like it was at, at the end of the day, they're they just followed this women's match. There's a bunch of dudes that are sitting there, like not knowing who this Hawaiian dude is, not knowing who this British dude is. They don't give two fucks. But Regal, the work was stiff, and Regal carried the entire thing. Yeah, like literally it showed a kid in the crowd when Prince Iakea came out, and he was just like looking like, what? Who the fuck is this guy? Even though he's presented on TV every week. Like, you know them Tupelo, Mississippi motherfuckers are just out there to see some wrestling. And unfortunately, yeah. But I also gave it – well, you said you gave it two and a half. I gave it three beers. I thought it was – I thought it was pretty good just because I love William Regal. I don't know if that's me being biased, but uh, up next, we got old Gene, Mean Gene Okerlund, plugging that uh, hotline, telling the kids to call it, but only if you get your parents' permissions first. And Ric Flair came out and gave a pretty sick-ass interview, and I'm going to go ahead and say it here. Flair called Jeff Jarrett a horseman I in know. this promo. <laughs> he said, the hor- Jarrett, he's a horseman. He's a pretty – he called him a horseman, so the- – the debate is settled. The proof is here in this pay-per-view, in this fucking promo. Jeff Jarrett was a horseman. It That surprised me while I was watching it. I made a note exactly the same. Um, that shit was kind of fucking hilarious, to be honest. But, I mean, it was a great promo. It was something that killed time during the pay-per-view for sure. But at the same, you know, 1-900-909-9900. Let's, <laughs> like... We got a yeah, Rick Jimmy G made a fucking outrageous amount of money off that. But this promo led into the next match, which was I have public enemy versus the fake horseman down uh, as in my notes. <laughs> and honestly, I guess I've never really seen ECW public enemy work, but this is the best match I've ever seen them have in WCW, at least because it was had some semblance of a wrestling match. It was just an old school wrestling tag match. And the other two matches we've covered previously were literally just pure garbage. And this match was really capped off by the commentary. Dusty Rhodes was just fucking hilarious in this. He's like, Oh, what you know how to strut? Then you'll be in business, baby. And he said, he moved and he got hit with his own plunder. Just (sighs) Dusty was great in this. I gave this two beers. 
purely because it was an actual match and Dusty kept me in there again. I gave it one and a half. Uh, commentary, I will agree, carried the entire match. The um, Public Enemy, I did. I have seen a lot of their work in ECW, and it, this just didn't hit it for me. Um, Jarrett and Mongo did not hit as a team. Oh, no. It was fucking horrible chemistry. Horrible. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fucking bad. But one and a half beers. The crowd also... Public Enemy was trying really hard to get heat. Crowd did not give a fuck. Oh yeah, they did. They did not care at that point. Even the brief, the briefcase shot, like no one, no one gave a fuck. You had like ten people in the arena doing the Public Enemy thing. Like no one really gave a fuck about this. But again, like up, the other show, it was a little bit too convoluted. Yeah. So up next, we get one of the most classic interview segments of all time. Mean Gene Okerlund brings in Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry to talk about their upcoming match against Lex Luger and the Giant. And uh, we all, everybody's a wrestling fan. We know about this promo. And the thing is, we're watching this on Peacock. And if you know it, then it's even funnier because he says, Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, sucker. But they did sucker instead of the N-word. And you you know it. You, the way his mouth does, you know the reaction. So it made it even funnier that it was dubbed over because – you're expecting the classic line that you see sucker that like is at all, all just I mean they did a pretty good job of editing it but you know what he's saying and god damn it such a fucking classic moment just the look on his face when he realizes he fucks up and sister Sherry's just like laughing at basically laughing at him like you fucked up and then I will say a testament to him and Stevie Ray and Mean Gene they just no sold it and kept going and proceeded great with the promo. Sherry also like caressed Booker's face. Like you could tell she was trying to make him comfortable afterward. Like it, it was one of those things where everyone recognized that it happened and they knew that they had to get through it. If you want to talk about expert performance in a live situation, this kind of defines it. I mean, it, it everyone had to do what they had to do during that time. And the nature of the match is so fucking stupid anyway. Oh my God. <clears throat> It just it makes absolutely zero sense. But as they're giving the promo, as this whole thing happens, obviously it's a big classic thing. It's also ironic to think that, you know, uh, with Hulk and with Booker and with that whole thing, out of all of the people that Booker could have accidentally made that comment at or toward. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's and, and especially in hindsight and thinking about like, you know, modern Hulk Hogan and. Wow. The one dude be the guy that also said that when he absolutely shouldn't have. Like, at least coming from Booker, it made sense. And Booker, it was just a slip up. It was just a thing. And yeah. Hulk Hogan, uh, just because Booker said it doesn't mean you're allowed to say it, is all exactly. I'm saying. Exactly. So there's that whole thing. But, um, you know, you made the joke earlier that we could go an hour about it. We could. We don't have to. Yeah. Uh, Rest but. in peace to uh, Sister Sherry, Sensational Sherry, Scary Sherry, all of her many names. Uh, she was great. L- love me some Sherry. Yeah. And uh, rest in peace kind of to the one of the guys in the next match, <laughs> Dean Malenko <laughs> versus Chris Benoit uh, in honestly what could have been a banger if it wasn't for the fucking ending. And all I'm going to say is mullet horseman Benoit is the best iteration of Benoit. I agree. It's the, it's the most intense version. Like, you know, Crippler WWE versus Angle Benoit is the second best version. But, man. This was a really good match. Like, if it wasn't for the stupid, fucked up, 
like no contest finished with the interference. It probably could have been one of the higher rated ones, but I only gave it three and a half. But like the actual ring work here is fucking just crisp. Literally, just just like they said on commentary, they said, "Look how crisp and just smooth and fluid their movements are." It's just it's, it's amazing. I only went two and a half, and I got to be honest, it, it was uh, most. I mean, the finish, the wrestling expert exactly they had all of this grappling shit that was going on everything was tight it reminded me exactly of early wcw it made all the sense however with everything else going on it was such a fucked finish again yeah it's, that's like both these pay-per-views are so convoluted and it that really that really got me yeah that's, it, it sucks how sometimes a fantastic match can just be fucking ruined by a stupid ass finish which we've yeah. we've covered that many times on this show, but yeah, it's it's pretty disappointing because uh, the next match on the show is also pretty fucking disappointing. <laughs> and so the whole storyline going on with the show is that it was supposed to be the Outsiders versus the Steiners for the tag team championships. But at this point, Scott Hall hadn't shown up to TV in three weeks, and he was like literally a wall. I guess like it wasn't just shoot, like it wasn't a storyline. This was a shoot. This was real. He was just missing in action, and so they ran a little angle where. Scott Steiner gets arrested, and so it's going to be Rick Steiner versus Kevin Nash for the WCW Tag Team Championships. And this was also just a bunch of bullshit going on. Just too much just convoluted bullshit. Nick Patrick, just Ted DiBiase, just too much bullshit going on. Like, I think, was it Dusty booking at this time? I don't know who was booking at the time. I believe it was Dusty. I know that obviously fucking Virgil was there, and you know we're we're looking at so many people on ringside. I gave it a beer, only because I guess you have to work through that stuff. And I, you know, part of me feels for Kevin Nash because I know that he didn't know everything that was going on. But like DiBiase shouldn't have been at ringside. Fucking six being involved that made no sense. Um, none of it was <sighs> Nick Patrick looking his dead ass best as Danny McBride. Dude, he straight up Kenny Powers. Powers. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I don't know. The whole thing seemed like kind of a joke. And I'm like, I don't own the book and I never would. However, I would have just cut the fucking match. Yeah. Just did a segment like yeah. 110%. And it's. I still regret not going to Scott Steiner's Shoney's, but hopefully he'll open another restaurant here soon. Yeah. Look that up on YouTube. Uh, pretty funny. Him, Scott Steiner, not being Scott Steiner, just being a regular person is fucking hilarious. Just talking about his restaurant. But yeah, so talking about uh, horrible finishes and horrible shit, we get a classically bad promo from Lex Luger and the Giant. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. You're looking at one guy who they try to use to replace Hulk Hogan – years ago and one guy that they tried to use to replace Hulk Hogan more recently than that. And both of them fuck. It was real bad. Yeah. I mean, he, they, they tried, they tried their damnedest and like poor mean Gene, just like, like fuck these guys don't know how to fucking talk. And that leads into one of the most convoluted, another stupid fucking match. The rules don't make sense. This is a four way match between Stevie Ray, Booker T, Lex Luger and the giant, but it's a four way, but only two men can be in the ring at the same time. And there's tag rules. It's, it's a reason to excuse themselves from not having Hogan on the show. 
That's all it is. It's fucking stupid. It made no sense at all. It's dumb as fuck, and Lex Luger has just always been just stiff and robotic as hell. Like, literally, the opposite of what Benoit and Malenko were doing was how Lex looked in this match. And, like, I've been watching a lot of Lex Luger recently. I've watched some of his 80s stuff all the way up into this 90s, and he's never been just – he can't move. He just – he just don't got it. He's just a big yeah. fucking muscly guy, and the rules were fucking dumb. I just thought the match sucked. I gave it a beer. I gave it one beer as well. And it's crazy. Like you can see the athleticism in Booker T and like him and a young, like younger right here and like what he came to be. But like he had to work a lot of shit matches back in 97 because I've always covered a Booker T match where he's just, it sucks and it's not his fault. Yeah, not at all. He's a workhorse. He, he wanted to make it happen and he did and he's proceeded to do so over and over and over again through the years. But yeah, man, like this was not exemplary for anyone. He carried it. Uh, I'll say Paul White also did some work. Oh yeah, this was yeah, this was he was still young, still doing some pretty cool shit before he went to his overweight cigarette smoking stage where uh, there be you know we've all we've all lived through that drama and that trauma. Yeah. But uh, all right, uh, I gave it a beer. Yeah, wasn't that wasn't very good. So right before this next match, uh, Randy Savage gets a pre-match like promo as he's walking to the ring as his uh music is playing and that's one of the best fucking things ever i don't know why wrestlers they don't do stuff like this but he's just fucking saying great shit he's like slim gyms for everybody like ready to party he's like all right elizabeth i'm gonna invite 14 women are you okay with that he's like see that she's all right yeah slim gyms yeah. for everybody <laughs> good shit and my Ma- i mean macho man and then also you know he makes it to the ring and then DDP starts cutting a promo with uh, Mean Gene, and I like this for the main event. You're kind of going to get lead it into. I think I know they kind of do that on Rampage a little bit, but I kind of like the separate promos there. But uh, yeah, this match, I mean, the work rate, it was pretty good, but the story here was what it was all about. The story, oof. And Macho Man is just a goddamn, like, this isn't like Randy Savage, you know, versus Steamboat Air. This is later years, but he can still, with his limited moveset, like, he knows how to work the crowd. It was... It was great. Probably one of my favorite matches on the card. And then even though the ending had a lot of NWO bullshit, like, but it still worked out great. DDP got the win. I mean, oh man. And that trash can like full of literal trash juice they were beating each other with was great. And they almost ate shit. Just so much good stuff to say about this match. I gave it four beers. It was my favorite match on the card. And if it was anybody else, I don't think if it was DDP versus anyone else, it wouldn't have been as good. Randy Savage is a fucking gym. I gave this the exact same rating as I gave the main event for the Impact show, I will say. Um, five? five, okay. And I, if for no other reason, it made DDP. Oh, and yeah, 100%. Like, like him getting want, the win was like – What we're actually like, what we're actually talking about when it comes to the business of professional wrestling, it generated so much revenue based off making him a star. Like – it, that never would have happened otherwise. So to me, it was it, it was expertly done. It was a great main event. If you're not going to have Hogan, if you're going to have somebody like Scott Hall drop out and have to make you know concessions for everyone, then this is the absolute best case scenario. And I fucking loved it. I thought it was I agree amazing. because DDP was like the hottest up and coming babyface at this point. And Randy Savage is fucking Randy Savage. Yeah. 
It made sense. And also they had the whole, you know, DDP had Kimberly, Randy. Had oh, yeah, dude, the Kimberly like, added was, so much extra heat to it. Like Kimberly and Elizabeth being involved, like it, it needed that. It, it made a lot of sense. And the fact that Randy was so humble to take the diamond cutter changed DDP's life forever. Yes. Um, and we, we, I'm sure all of us have heard DDP talk about that forever. Like that was his defining moment. I mean, just watching it, the crowd reaction, it was fucking, yeah. Yep. Fantastic. I'm a big DDP fan, even bigger Randy Savage fan. This is, was a good show, even though it had a lot of convoluted bullshit. It was still just enjoyable just because of the storylines. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it is what it is. And WCW did their best to fix that where they could and where they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, end of the day. So, so I guess I'll say, so Jesse, I know, I know what I'm going to say for the show that's going to win this week. What are you going to say? What's it going to be for you? What's your pick? It's going to be the same. WCW spring stampede, 1997, the clear cut winner here. Yeah. I mean, Impact, I mean, you had some good matches on your show, and you've been doing some good stuff lately, but I don't know what Rebellion was rushed, or maybe Jonathan Gresham getting COVID might have, like, fucked everything up, because... That was that was a big part, for sure. Because if we would have got Gresham, Eddie Edwards for the ROH title, I think that could have boosted that pay-per-view up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, that eight tag team situation did not have to happen. Like... Nah. <laughs> Way too long, way too much bullshit. Just like it should have just been Matt Cardona and uh, Curtis. At, why do I say it's Brian? Is it Brian Hawkins? Why can't I think of his name? Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins, but uh, he's going by Brian Myers. Okay, it should have just been the major bros, the major players versus Jordan Grayson, Morrissey, and left it at that. Not even a title yeah. match. That would just be a That'd be a good thing to further the storyline is all I'm saying. That could have been a little bit better. So I guess we have come to the conclusion that the winner of this week's kayfabe comparisons is WCW Spring Stampede 1997. Do you got anything else to add on to that? Not really, man. I, you know, outside of obviously we're going to plug some stuff at the end of the show. And outside of that, I'm all good. I definitely conclude that is the winner. Clear cut winner. All right. I'm looking forward to next week. And we are back. It's like, I, dude, you know what? It's like the first show that I haven't really been in the analyst seat. And uh, Wex is in the driving chair. And you know what? Like, I, I appreciated the insight. I appreciated the insight. WCW 97, in my opinion, is their hottest year. Uh, Impact, you know, uh, they've had better shows. We'll just say they've had better shows. Um, yeah, what'd you guys think about the episode, man? Wex, Wex, how you feel about it? How'd you feel about being in the driver's chair? Uh, definitely different, but I'm liking this thing. You know, I like to get done. I have the lead. I've done the lead a couple times here, there, and other projects. So, you know, it's pretty cool. And Impact, dude, y'all have done some good shit this year, but I don't know. This one just was just didn't hit quite as good as the others. That's all I'm going to say. Not quite as good as the others. Uh, Jesse, how'd you feel about it, man? I felt like it was a relatively short show. There wasn't a lot of meat on the bone for me personally, but, you know, obviously we've gone into that already. Uh, I mean, I feel great about our episode, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I feel or how I feel about impact. I will say WCW, uh, Spring Stampede 97, it's a wildly great show riddled with issues, but at the same time, like very entertaining still. Yeah. 
Well, that's I mean, and that's that's what it's all about here. That's what it's all about here. We're just trying to be entertaining. We're trying to put some meat and potatoes in there. We're trying to uh, sprinkle on the nice seasonings. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's go through what we got coming up here uh, before we before we go into the wrap up. Uh, next week we are covering WWF's uh, WWF side of 1997. It's going to be in your house, Revenge of the Undertaker. Um, I'm excited mm-hmm. about that one. Uh, that's going to be me and Jesse working in the main course of the show there. Uh, that one's going to be going up against New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestling Dantanku, which I – this will be the first um, New Japan pay-per-view that I've watched since Wrestle Kingdom – the one with Jericho. The yeah. last one that I've watched since then. Damn, so, like, that's, that's, a, that's a minute. That's been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a long time ago. So I'm excited about it. Um, you know – Wex, I feel, I feel, I feel sorry for you because I'm, I'm, I, I'm just kind of stepping, I'm stomping you out on on the show there, and I know you're a New Japan guy, but are you looking forward to that show? Is there anything that I should be uh, he- heads up on? You know, only a heads up I know is that uh, your boy Will Osprey is not going to be on the show due to COVID. Mm, so that's bummer. the only big scoop, and then uh, Tats- Tatsume Fujinami apparently was going to be on there too, and he has COVID also. I don't know I don't what like he's that. doing. <laughs> but uh, he was hanging he's, out. Apparently, he's got the COVID too. So I'd be looking. I think you'd be looking forward to some Jay White, some Bullet Club stuff going on. Yeah, I'm excited about that. A big fan of Jay White for sure. Uh, I'm excited to do it. I mean, again, who's doing commentary for them now? Is it Striker now? Still or uh, Kevin Kelly's on their English commentary. Oh, Kevin, Kelly. Uh, cool. Kevin Kelly's still on there. I, I to be honest, I don't even know the other. one. I know Romero does some, but I believe yeah. he's on the show. Well, that's exciting. I know exciting. Shingo does uh, the AEW Japanese commentary for Dynamite, which is random as hell because he's a great wrestler. That is random, but it's also funny. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that show is going to be me and Jesse doing the main course. The following week is going to be the Battle of the Backlashes 20-year anniversary. It's going to be WWE's Backlash uh, 2022 versus WWF's Backlash 02. That's going to be me and Wex um, on the main course on that one. Wex. Buddy, O2, WWE, I feel like you and I have been on this path. Yes, uh, we have. You know, go, going, <laughs> uh, going down it. And I'm excited. You know, we've talked about how, like, I do genuinely feel like for, probably for the thousandth time on the show, O2 is an underrated year for WWE. It's super good. Definitely. Go watch it. It's like, I don't know. I feel like people were just like, what's the end of that Atsu era? There wasn't anything good after that. It's like, man, O2 was a good year. O2 was a good year, and O3 is a forgotten year. And yeah. You kind of forgot one thing. This isn't just Backlash 02 versus Backlash. It's Backlash 02 versus WrestleMania Backlash. Yeah, I hate that. You know, I really hate that. And it's, it's going to be probably 90% WrestleMania rematches, I'm guessing. That's what it was last year. That's fine. I mean, maybe the wrestling will be good. Uh, who knows? Well, we got good, we got better wrestlers, a little bit better booking at this time of year. So maybe, you know, maybe a little bit good, you know, be ready I mean, for Cody it. Cody Rollins, too, alone. Will be- yeah, Cody Rollins, too. There you go. I'm already, I'm already ready to bust one for that. Yep. Already the best one for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what we got planned two weeks out for you guys. Um, yeah, so who is there? Do we have a trivia question for this week? Do we have we a, really have a trivia question? It's not really trivia. It's more okay. of a what are you excited about? Look, what are you looking forward to? Because we got coming up uh, in Chicago a month after Double or Nothing is Forbidden Door, New Japan Pro Wrestling versus AEW. And uh, is there any big dream matches? Anything you guys would like to see? Uh, is there anything uh, you're looking forward to that could possibly happen, Jesse? I mean, I'm I'm gonna shoot. I think 
unpopular opinion, I think Bucks and the Good Brothers would be a deal. You know, I, that's something that I, I would look out for. Uh, I love Gallows and Anderson, obviously. I'm Mark. But the um, – or, you know, Good Brothers and FTR. Both of those, a lot of meat on the bone right there, a lot of history, a lot of story. That Either of those would be fantastic. What about you, Daniel? If I have the pencil, I don't know how I would make this work just because of the current AEW storylines. But I would do Nido with uh, Los in – you're going to say it for me. Los in Gobernales? Yes. I would do that them versus the House of Black. I feel okay. like that would be a cool do a, th- a three on three. That'd be fucking sick. Yeah, like a yeah, like a trios match. I feel like the uh, the spots they could come up with would be insane. And just like, like Bushi, the... Naito, and Shingo versus yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then Naito, and then like you know maybe halfway through the match, an actual like just stare down and a good solid five minutes of just Naito and Alistair going back and forth. I feel like that would be sick. I'll That's put this funny. out there too as an honorable mention. Uh, Joe versus Jeff Cobb. Ooh. Oh. That'd be like big meaty man. Okada punk. Okada punk. Maybe Okada punk that that's a fucking banger. And one thing I know you mentioned Nido, but I'm thinking Nido versus Darby Allen. Oh, I like that. That would just be fucking insanity the whole time. Just them putting their bodies on the line. I want to see that. Tony Khan, if you're listening, book Nido versus Darby Allen for the fans. We want to see it. We want to see some people possibly getting real fucked up. How about, how about, uh, how about God versus the Hardys? Ooh, that could, dude. There's so much potential for the show. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot. I, know there's lots saying, on a I don't know face. that many New Japan <laughs> pro wrestler wrestlers, but you do. You just don't know you do. I right. yeah, I do. I just don't know I do. I I will say that I'm really bummed about Osprey because I haven't seen him work in a while, and I was really hyped to see him. Um, I, did something happen with him? Was there like a cultural thing? Did like it's like I feel like he just never got his break. Did he get a? Was it a Me Too thing? Well, there, it was sort of a Me Too like thing, that. kind of. Okay. There was something like that with B Priestley, actually, uh, yeah. which is his partner. And that whole thing started a, a tantamount crazy line of thinking and talking. But the uh, I, I don't know that there was much meat on the bone there. I think that it, they kind of skirted it. But at the same time, I know he was still affected by it. Pretty much one girl who got jealous of B Priestley said that Will Ospreay – was blocking her from getting shows based on like some some stuff that happened with some other guy a long time ago. Turns out he knew nothing about it, and it was just some bullshit. Um, just like that lady uh, trying to fuck with Chris Dickinson right now. I read that shit. Sounds like they just had a weird that, a weird relationship. I don't think that that was up. That was their shit. I don't think you should. That has nothing to do with his wrestling career. Like, oh man, I just got some shit going Daddy on. Versus Brian Cage. Ooh, uh, wait, is Ooh. Brian? Ca- well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, dude, literally, uh, Tomaro Ishii versus Brian Cage. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much potential. New Japan, AEW, we're looking forward to that show. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yep. I am excited about it. You know what? That's going to do it for us this week, though, uh, boys and girls. Be sure to follow us uh, wherever you find your podcast, subscribe, whatever they call it. And please leave us a review. It helps out the show and the channel so, 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 so much. Um, even if you just you know, tell us how terrible we are, that's great, honestly. Any interaction is good. Uh, be sure to follow us on the Tiki Talk. We seem to get the most engagement there as well, at Pod. Uh, and you can find us on all your traditional socials just at kfabecom. Just plain old kfabe comparisons on YouTube, trying to keep those videos fresh up there for you on a regular basis. Again, hit subscribe. Hit that little bell there, too. That way you can get a notification every single time we upload something fresh. 
And yeah, you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak on all of the socials. I'm hyped for next week. Uh, Wex, give them the script, baby. Where can they find you? Man, you can always find your boy Wex breaking the loss and on all of your social media platforms. And I'm going to be a little bit heavier on TikTok this week, and we're going to get that vote for 100 subscribers. We're going to cover a song, so I want y'all to vote. I'm going to put a little poll up there. Y'all be looking forward to it this week. I love it. Jesse, uh, tell people where they can find you, man. Hey, man, I'm at Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter. Regular old Jesse Baker on Facebook. I will say exclusive news on August 19th. We are doing a gigantic show at the Exit Inn that is going to involve uh, one of the partners on this podcast, as well as Look What I Did, Folly from New Jersey, who are reuniting to do this show, Born Empty, who are reuniting to do this show. We announced the show on May 2nd, and it will be on sale then. And we're also doing a little SummerSlam weekend gig at Eastside Bowl. It's going to be Southern Underground Pro Wrestling. We're, uh, yeah, we're going to brand it. We're going to be involved in it. But you guys hear it here first. Yeah, I am super excited about that too, man. August 19th at Exit Inn. It's my first show. It'll be the first time I've been on stage uh, since pre-COVID. So uh, brand new band, The Far Between. Go check us out as well. Um, it'll be my first time on stage since uh, October of 2019. So I'm a little nervous. I'm super hyped. Uh, go way back with the Look What I Did and Born Empty guys. So I am excited. I'm looking forward to it also. In an alternate universe, Thrashaholics reunites and plays the same show. There you go. That'd be wild. We got to make it happen. Universe, if you want to uh, rally. Hey, it's hard. All them boys are all over the place these days. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.